worship. The Lord just takes my hand and starts writing. And I just write it down just like this. So I'm just going to teach from this paper tonight. I may walk around. I may. I don't want your eyes on me. I want your eyes on Jesus tonight. And uh, because it's his word, it's his spirit. And he deserves all the honor and the glory for his word. Amen. And all the honor for his spirit. Hey, Paul, come up here with your wife, please. Now, Paul is married now. He wasn't married the last time he was here. So let's look at this beautiful couple. Isn't that awesome? So what's the scripture say? He who finds a what? And what? And what else? Obtains favor from God. So he didn't have any favor. He didn't have any favor till she showed up. <laughs> Paul and I, for the, for the guys that haven't, that some of y'all hadn't met Paul, but we go way back. We used to be drinking buddies. We used to hang out at Spanky's over there on the south side. We'd work out for three or four hours, three times a week, sweat it out, and go right to Spanky's around the corner and justify that we could drink the rest of the night. <laughs> and he got saved, radically saved. So he's working for me, and we're in my little red pickup truck. We're trimming out houses or something, and, and he's beating on the dashboard, preaching Jesus to me, and I got Budweiser between my legs. I said, what is this fool doing right now? I don't know this guy. We were two different, we were two different kingdoms in the same truck. <laughs> but it was his prayers that got me into the kingdom. So, if Paul ever prays for you to get saved, you're going to get saved. Because I was a difficult one. I had to intellectualize everything. And you'll never figure out Jesus. You'll get wore out. You'll get absolutely wore out. You just got to surrender and trust him. <laughs> Amen. That he's as your life. Amen. Let's give him a hand of praise. Praise God. I've got a message here that um, the Lord has uh, shared with me, given me over a month or so, I guess. And um, what do you think the enemy's number one attack is on Christians? Number one attack on Christians. Finance. Finances. There's not one Christian that should be in need or want. It, it's contrary to the word of God, if you are. You're supposed to be blessed, having more than enough. So listen up tonight. Where's my music? Revelation just stops flowing when the music stops. Okay. Um, God wants us blessed. The scripture says we're supposed to be blessed abundantly. But we get our eyes focused on what we don't have. And when we do that, God can't trust us with, with the provision he wants to give us. 
He's got to be able to trust you with his finances. And the only the easiest way I can say to do it is just keep your eyes on him. If you'll keep your eyes on him, the blessing won't get a hold of you. Because once that blessing gets a hold of you, you'll get your eyes off of Jesus. Because you need his anointing, you need his presence to be able to enjoy the things he's given you. Amen. And if you don't know how to worship him, you know how to look up and keep your eyes on him. Because you have to be in peace to be able to enjoy the things of God. You can't be anxious and fearful and worried all the time and try to get in something new that something God has given you to enjoy. You'll never enjoy it. But the Lord has given me that number one priority of the enemy is to attack on your finances. Why does he do that? Because it takes money to print Bibles. It takes money to send missionaries out. It takes money to build buildings. And God, listen, God doesn't care how big the building is. He just cares about what's going on inside the building. Does that make sense? There's a lot of stuff out there. There's big buildings, but there's not enough of Jesus in there to keep me in that building. You know what I mean? He cares about what's going on inside the building, that undefiled, pure truth is being te- taught and preached in that building, and you got a group of worshipers in the house that provokes his presence to come. So there are three demonic kings. I'm going to take you through the scriptures on these. And kings are strongholds. And when I say kings or demonic kings, I'm talking about demonic strongholds that bring three things. And here's the three things, if you want to write them down. You have one king that brings famine. You have one king that brings poverty. And you have one king that brings, listen to this, all curses. Not just one. He holds them all. All curses. So there's your three kings. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you tonight how to loose their power. Listen, you can have all the anointing you want and cast every demon off of you, but if you don't understand God, it won't go any further than that. If you don't understand him and how he works and how he strategizes things, that anointing can break something off of you and jump right back on you because of not understanding what God is doing. Amen? That's why you have ministries like this to teach you. Because once you get out understanding, now you're walking in power and authority. You can only walk in power when, when you don't have understanding, because that's in you. Power's in you. But when you get understanding of what God is doing, the authority of God comes. And when you get power and authority working, like Carrie experienced in the courthouse this week and uh, praying for someone, it, it actually arrests them. It arrests them. Amen. So, you know... The Bible says we have to start at the top down to defeat stronghold. You can't go after the, the demons and armies and uh, 
you got to start at the top down and work your way down. Start at the head and not the tail. Does that make sense? Start at the head and, and not the tail. Satan has an order, order to this demonic strategy. Every army, every defensive force has a strategic order of authority. You have generals, you have lieutenants, you have colonels, you have privates. Every army has it. Well, the devil has an army. God has an army. This is the army of God. Amen. He has an army in every place. And this is the army of God. But listen, we must fight the enemy, enemy in the right order to be able to get this right. And I'm determined in this ministry that the people in our ministry aren't going to be broke. Aren't going to be struggling. Listen, if you're committed to this ministry, you should have already been out of debt. Amen. The ones that are still in debt, they're not committed. But I've watched the ones that have been totally committed and God supernaturally got them out of debt. Amen. So I can always tell who's with me and who's not or who's halfway with me and who's halfway not. Amen. Because I, it starts at the head and works the way down. And, and I don't have, I'm not a slave to debt. Amen. So that freedom can come right to you. If you're fully committed. Amen. And that way it works. That's the way it works. So let's look at Ephesians 612. Ephesians 612 says we are not wrestling. With flesh and blood. Now with that word wrestling. If you got your Bible. You might want to uh, circle that. That means holding or pushing. Holding or pushing. Or struggling or controlling. You know how you get wrestlers in a wrestling match? They're not boxing each other. They're either holding each other or pushing each other. That's what wrestling means. And this happens in our mind. When we're trying to hold on to something God does not want us to hold on to. And then he brings a trial around us and we push it away. And then if we don't pass the trial, we grab the whole thing right back into our mind. It's a wrestling match with the power of darkness, a principality. This is an unseen spirit that's coming against the mind, trying to get the victory in the mind so it can pronounce its kingdom in our mind. So we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotism. How do you say that? Des despotisms against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. So you see here that the dynamic order, Satan has a order, a strategy that he can introduce his power and his authority in our life. You really need to meditate on this scripture. I'm going to give you all the scriptures I give you tonight. You really should write them down and just meditate on them. So you see, there are three dynamic kings ruling over famine, poverty and curses over Christians. 
But listen, Jesus actually taught in Matthew 12, 29, let's look at that, that we're to start at the head and work our way down. Start at the head. Start where the headship is. It says, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, or you could say the king? And then he will plunder his house. We keep binding little demons and not getting anywhere. We keep loosing little demonic spirits and not getting anywhere. But this verse clearly says that we have to go to the strong man's house. That's the one in charge of that house. It's not the children of the house that's in charge. It's the strong man that's in charge of that house. Now, you look up the word bind, it means to tie up. When somebody's tied up, they're inactive. So you've got to make that strong man, that king, that demonic king, inactive in your life. Now, I'm going to show you how to do this if you just stay, stay with me tonight. Let's look at Luke eleven twenty one. Says when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are at peace. Now, if you look at this, his goods, and this, and this teaching, his goods are what? What are, what are the strong man's goods in this teaching? Right, famine, poverty, and curses. That's his goods. We have these strongholds over here, and what are their goods? Unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Those are the goods. You see their defenses. They're protecting that. But when it says his goods are at peace, that means at work. When his goods are protected, his goods are at work. When you're not a threat to his goods, those goods are working in your life. So when we're not a threat to him, Famine is working. Poverty is working. Curses are working in our life. Am I losing some of you? I can see it. Y'all getting this? And I need to slow down a little bit? Okay. 11.22. It's amazing how quick God came in here. That was 30 minutes of worship. It is hard. <laughs> feel like you're drunk. <laughs> Do you feel like you're drunk up here? Luke 11.22. says, when a stronger than he comes upon him, and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted. In other words, his army, his defenses. And then divides his spoil. See, we got to let God out of our belly. That's where you see these visions over here. God is, this is our belly right here. This is our spirit. This is the core of our spirit. This is our belly. This is where God is. And we got to loose him, let him out through understanding. Because he, he'll only flow through understanding, not knowledge. It's a big difference. He flows through understanding. Amen. Once your intellect is out of the way, he starts flowing through what you understand about the word of God and about what's happening in your situation that God is trying to get the victory on. So we cannot enter a strong 
man's house unless we first bind him up, tie him up. Then we can spoil. That means loot his kingdom. Now, King David had a revelation of removing headship. I love it. Don't you love King David? Man, he messed up so many times and God just kept loving on him, loving on him. That gave me hope every time I messed up. I'd read the Psalms. And every other chapter, David messed up. <laughs> every other chapter, he's crying out to God. God hears your cry. He hears your cry. Don't ever think that he doesn't hear your cry. In fact, he hears your whisper. He heard Hannah's whisper. She could barely get the words out. They thought she was drunk. And he heard it. You know why he can hear it so easily? Because he's in you. God is in you. A whisper he hears. Because he's in you. He's in you. Isn't that powerful? If we just got up every morning with that kind of knowledge and say, Lord, I thank you that you're in me. That's an understanding. Now I'm going to let you out today so that you can bring forth your kingdom in this city and reach somebody for Jesus. Reach somebody for Jesus. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 8, 9. David had a revelation of removing headship. It says, Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up before the battle? I am, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Let's go to verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, now look at this, I love this verse. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. If you can get to the head of the demonic force, the demons will have to serve you. They're not going back to Satan. I can tell you that because Satan's not a friendly person. He has no love in him. But look at this. If I prevail, if you prevail, then the enemy's servants have to serve you. Think on that a minute. Remember the ravens fed, fed Elijah? That represents a sinner feeding a godly man. A raven. Would you eat food from a raven? That's the nastiest bird ever. But God used a nasty raven to feed the prophet. So it tells you what God says is clean. Is clean. Amen. What he says is clean. Is clean. Verse 9. All right. We read that already. When you remove the king, his army has to serve you. Demons have to submit. Why did, they, why did they flee? Because their covering was gone. Their headship was gone. You see a lot of churches bust up and break up because the headship is gone. And then they flee, trying to find a place to go. Let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 49. Then David put his hand in his bag 
and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Now, I want you to underline stone if you have your Bible open because David had an inventory of defense. How many stones do you have in your bank? How much word do you have in you? How much word do you have in you that you can pull out whatever the situation is and use that stone, use that word, that rock? See, your tongue is God's sling. The word is the rock. Amen. Get the word of God in us. Because in any situation, the spirit of God is going to reach deep, deep, deep down in your spirit and pull that word up. Doesn't that amaze you how he does that? I mean, scriptures that, that you hadn't meditated on in two years, all of a sudden they're coming up out of your spirit. It's, it's an amazing thing that happens. David had a revelation of this. Verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I want you to notice something here. In verse 50, David slung the rock, and killed the Philistine. And it's like he's already dead. Why did he have to. What did he kill the second time. When he took out the sword. He removed the headship. He removed the spiritual authority. Headship means spiritual authority. So he took the sword out and removed the head. He removed the spiritual authority and the natural authority. This is what you've got to get a handle on. Follow me with this now because it's, it might be too simple for some of us, but it's really going to be effective by the time we get finished tonight. So David killed the Philistine with a rock and then took the sword out and cut off his head. Now the children, children of Israel was able to gain back what was theirs when this happened. They gained back to everything that the enemy took. Who said that tonight? Um, Cornelius. And I tell people this all the time. When you lose something, it doesn't go into the devil's hand. It goes back to God's hand. So it can be sanctified again. It was sanctified when he brought it to you. But we get off in the flesh, forget about God, and then he throws us in a circumstance and then Takes it back. Amen. We're not mature enough sometimes to handle the things of God. But what do you think it's happening while God is holding on to it? Multiplying. Increase. Nothing can touch him unless it multiplies. Isn't that awesome? Nothing can touch him. That's why he said the devil has to turn sevenfold because he, he'll use the devil to bring something back into your life. Just like he did with the raven. An example of a sinner bringing something back in Elijah's life. It doesn't have to be a saint that he's going to restore you 
from. He can use anything. Wouldn't it be awesome to just see a dog come up and just have a whole thing of stuff in his mouth for you? Amen. God takes the foolish things and confounds the wise. That's how we know it's him. Let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 53. Then the children of Israel returned and from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. In other words, they, they, they stole by force. So that means they took action. You've got to do something. When, God, when, when you and God remove the headship of demonic kings, you have to do something. I think there's just too many lazy people in the body of Christ. When I tell everybody to enter into arrest, that means work. You can be at work and your head be at rest. Amen. You just can't lay around the house waiting on God to bring something to you because he's not going to do it. In fact, you'll starve to death. Because he said if man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Amen. You got to do something. And that's why you got to be sober enough and in and, and spirit and understand what God is doing in the moment so that you can move with him. Your inheritance is out there, but you have to move when he says move to embrace your inheritance. Your inheritance is what's going to make you fully complete. My spirit is complete. But my head's not complete yet. My body's not complete yet. But my spirit is complete, pure. Your spirit's pure. It's clean. So we have something to work with. It's purity. See, we try, we try hard to get through the front lines of the enemy and get wore out. How many of you getting wore out from fighting demons all the time? How many of you getting wore out from reasoning? You know, that's, de that's demonically enforced, influenced for you to reason like that. God gave us that function to reason with the truth. And if you're reasoning with the truth, you're going to be built up in that truth. If you're reasoning with the devil, you're going to be built down. You're going to get depressed, worries, anxious, all this kind of stuff. We must kill the head of the king. And remove his headship. You got three kings here we're talking about. Famine. Poverty. All curses. That, that, that just blew my mind when the Lord said this one carries all curses. We have to fight in proper order. You got to be in order. Let's look at Colossians. Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a praise God a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them in it. When you look at that, having disarm, circle disarm, means to make harmless. To make harmless. He, Jesus made harmless the devil to you. Isn't that awesome? He disarmed him. That means to make harmless. He made the devil, he just, just got him in a place where he can't harm me anymore. Amen. Isn't that awesome? 
Disarm means to make harmless. Having made harmless principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Wow. And God has given us the same right. We have the same right tonight. Everybody in this house has got the same right to make harmless every devil in your life. Of fear, anger, and all this kind of stuff, perversion that's going on in the body of Christ. To make harmless. Let's look at Luke 10, 17, and 19. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. How many had some demons subject to you when you spoke the name of Jesus? Huh? Let me see your hand raise. I want to hear truth now. You got to see a demon fleeing when you hear the name of Jesus. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Isn't that awesome? Nothing can touch you if you're operating in his name. Every meeting you should, if you're in your job and you go into a meeting saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to this meeting. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to meet with this person. In the name of Jesus, I'm going here. In the name of Jesus, I'm going there. You see what happens? When you just speak his name, you, he, 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 nothing can hurt you. Nothing can harm you when you just speak his name. You don't have to be perfect to operate in his power. He took imperfect people and put his power in us. Amen. The devil will bombard our minds thinking we're not good enough to cast out a devil. When that should be our daily routine. Because I know there's a devil around you somewhere all day long. Always someone around there. God put that devil by you to see what you're going to do about it. You need to free that person up. If that person has a devil and we're sitting there, that person's tormented by that devil. Is that love? To see a person tormented by the devil, that's not love. God wants you to start exercising the name of his son, Jesus, and cast these devils out. Demons and demonic kings have to submit to you when you're in right relationship with God. How do you know you're in right relationship with God? You are born again. Everybody born again in here. Then you're in right relationship with God. You have the authority to use the name of Jesus and command everything that you need. God does not want you in lack. He not, does not want you in need. does not want you in torment. Just take the authority that he's invested in you by using his name and use it. Just use it to free yourself up, to free someone else up, to call forth, bring the harvest in through the name of Jesus. Amen. Every prayer that you pray should start with the name of Jesus. Lord, I come in your name because he's the only way. 
He is the only way to the Father. There's no other way. Lee was telling me she's got a meeting with a Jehovah Witness next Thursday. And it's, I think it's Kim's stepmother, cousin or something like that. This Jehovah Witness thinks that Kim is in a place that's going to harm her soul. <laughs> I can't wait that this happens. She's actually coming to sonship. Pray for Lee. For lots of revelation. Yes, she's got it. Three kings over famine, poverty. Aren't you excited about getting this right tonight? Three rulers over famine, poverty, and all curses. All right. King number one is a king of famine. His name, write this down, is Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. Now let's look at 2 Kings 6, 24 and 25. Follow me with this. And it happened this, that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great what? Famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it and until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Now, you look at dove droppings, and it's a vegetable. We had this conversation in the conference room. There are a few of us in there talking. Todd, Lee, and somebody who was uh, anybody else in there we was talking about. Would you eat dove droppings? Is that a delicacy? The Israelites stoop this low to eat dove droppings, a pod. Now follow me, because now we're really getting into something, right? A pod. Hadad in the Greek means to establish and to build. Where's my, my screen guy? To establish and to build. Hadad means to establish and to build. So this, this king establishes a famine. And he builds that famine in Israel. And we're the spiritual Israel, right? Okay, we're, so he's talking to us too. So famine means state of not having enough. How many of you are there? Just not having enough. Not having enough to do what you want to do. Enjoy life. God called you to enjoy life, not suffer through life. Suffering is what for what? A moment. A while, it says in the Bible, without a breath. But we're here to enjoy life. And I had a struggle with that years ago. I felt guilty. Because I'm such a workaholic. It, when I took off, man, I felt guilty taking off work. How many of y'all been there? You just feel guilty 
You can't even enjoy yourself. Miserable, that's right. That's right. But God worked with me slowly on this because I needed to be worked slowly on this because I, I I'm a workaholic. I love to work. But he's called us to enjoy all things according to life and godliness, right? According to his life. That's the only way you're going to be able to enjoy it. And godliness is character. His life is character. That's the only way we're going to be able to enjoy things. So you see Christians get hemmed in by famine. We get hemmed in and we begin to cannibalize our seed. What does that mean? What are you talking about? We get hemmed in by famine. And if you got any seed in your hand, any money in your hand, God put it in your hand. And we take that seed and we eat it. How do we eat the seed of God? We get into debt. We cannibalize the seed. We buy something that we really don't need just to make us feel better. Isn't that right? Nobody cares. So I'm going to go out and buy myself something. I've been there. I know about y'all. I've been there. We cannibalize the seed of God. And that's what this king here causes us to do. Let's look at um, 2 Kings 6.28. Then the king said to her, what's troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, "Give, give your son that I may eat him today. Look what look what happened to Israel. Look what happened. Look what this king had 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 the power to do in Israel when he when he declared a famine, the people began to eat their children. What does a child represent? A seed. A seed. Can you imagine living in those days and boiling children? Your own children, not somebody else's. It's easier to do somebody else's, right? If you're hungry. Yeah, verse 28. Then the woman said, give give your son that I might eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. Come on, isn't this, this is serious stuff. Don't you know we serve a merciful God? His mercy and his grace is beyond our comprehension that we can do something like this and he still loves us because he knew that they were powerless. They were powerless because of their ignorance. Amen. And that's what I see in the churches, mainly the pastoral churches, not all of them, but the ones I've been around. They're just ignorant to revelation. They're not free. You know, free people will worship God. And they'll worship him until he comes. People who aren't free won't worship him. They'll praise him, but they won't go into worship. 
They'll praise him because he hung on the cross. They'll praise him because he rose from the dead. But they won't go into worship because they haven't received the goodness of him yet. I worship him because he's been so good to me. I praise Jesus for what he did. Isn't that right? So that's how we praise and worship him. So you see, they, they boiled their children and ate them. When you are hemmed in by famine, you eat your seed. The Israelites cannibalize their seed. Seed is what you bring into the temple of God. As a Christian. And I mean, statistics say that what? 90% of the church does not give their tithes and offerings. Can you imagine if the whole church did that? Jesus would have been back by now. It's been 2,000 years. He's try, try, trying to get us to pay our tithes. <laughs> it is amazing. 2,000 years. Almost 20 lifetimes for most people. And still can't get a hold of the tithe and the offering. Oh, it's the Old Testament. No, it's all in the New Testament, too. It's a devil just blinded you because you didn't believe it in the Old Testament. (laughs) So look, the seed is what we bring into the temple of God. Our seed is what reproduces life into abundance, the seed of God. You know, God gave me a revelation just a, a few weeks ago. When I was in worship in the presence in my war room, I had that war room now. and It's awesome. The presence just comes down so heavy. And he spoke. He said, Gene, if you'll give your tithe and your offering. When the heavy presence comes down. And I'm thinking about glory night. He said, whatever you sow into my presence, not my anointing. Whatever you sow into my presence. Multiply. It's another level of multiplication. The anointing will cause something to multiply, but not at the level his presence will. Amen. When the presence of the king shows up, not his anointing, not his power, but his presence, he's the prince of what? Peace. And if your mind is at peace, it's time to worship him. It's time to bring your offerings like the wise men did when Jesus was born. They brought, they brought gifts to the king because he had manifested. Amen. So Christians are influenced by this king to eat their seed instead of bringing it into the temple of God. Amen. Now, if a farmer had nothing left but one seed, you think he'd make bread out of that seed? No, the farmer knows that unless he puts that seed in the ground, it's not going to produce what he needs to live off of and for the world to live off of. That farmer is not going to take that one seed and make bread out of it. He's not going to cannibalize it and use it for himself. Famine. will put fear and doubt in you and say, I can't give this offering. I can't make my car payment or my house payment. 
Man, when, you, when the devil starts speaking to our minds like that, it's time to run to the altar and, and throw that offering in there. And listen, I don't, I don't t- teach you on tithes and offerings. In fact, I had this ministry open for almost three years before I even mentioned tithe and offering because the body of Christ was so beat up with tithes and offerings and leaders not doing what they're supposed to with the tithes and offerings. So the Lord said, open it up and do everything opposite the church is doing. Well, that's all I knew was what the church was doing. But when you hear his voice, you move, and then he trains you. He trains you in that new position, and everything's fresh. So we do everything opposite here. We didn't ask for. We still don't ask for tithes and offerings. You should know by now, after two thousand years, you came from somebody two thousand years ago, right? The bloodline still passing through. So we don't say, hey, come bring your tithes and offerings. Because I told the Lord, I said, I ain't going there. I, I'm not doing that. It's, if it's his ministry, money will follow ministry. He'll, he'll finance his ministry. So we never do that. We just let everybody else do it. Now I'm telling you, this little ministry takes more tithes and offerings than some churches that have 400 people in it. Because I know these pastors, and they tell me. And they're in awe. I said, well, we don't take up an offering. We don't ask for the tithe. The presence does it. Just the presence you want to you give. That's a form of worship is, is giving to him. Just the presence. That's the purpose of King Ben-Hadad. What gives this king rulership? In your life. Think about that. What gives this king rulership in your life? Let's look at Malachi 3 8. This is what gives him legal access to your life. Will a man rob God? That's just said enough right there. Will a man rob God? Listen, your tithe is not 8%, it's not 5%, it's not even 9%. Isn't it amazing? God wants one. Once one dime out of one dollar. One dime. Can you imagine? How selfish can we be? And if God can trust you with that, he can trust you with his anointing because it's going to take the anointing to bring his wealth to you. Amen? And and, and Deuteronomy says if... It is the anointing of God, the power of God, that you can obtain wealth so that he can establish what? His covenant. That he swore to the forefathers, as it is this day. But he's got to establish his covenant with you first because you have to be a testimony. If he don't establish it with you first, don't be preaching to nobody else. Because the devils know what's going on. And they'll mock you. But I want to see the body of Christ flourishing in God, the fullness of God. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So when we rob God, ben, King Ben-Hadad shows up. Where is King Ben-Hadad? King Ben-Hadad shows up when you rob God. 
This is what he looks like. <laughs> now he's well dressed. Looks like he's eaten a lot. He's ate all y'all seeds. <laughs> He wanted to drive the Ferrari. I said, you couldn't drive it in here. <laughs> but notice, Chris, Chris called me today or texted me today, and he said, he said, how do you think we should dress? I said, I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so this is what they came up with. Wait till you see the rest of them. And it made sense because deception appears to be something what? It's not. This is a whitewashed tomb. He looks good on the outside, but he's got all these curses. He's no, this is not curses. This is famine. This is all the blessings. You can sit down. Thank you, Todd. Deception appears to be something it's not. What'd she say? What's oh, so funny? I missed it. Still laughing. Deception appears to be something it's not. That's why God said to what? Test all spirits. To see if they are from God. Test the fruit. Test the spirit. Then test the fruit. How do you test the spirit? Ask questions. Ask questions. Eventually something's going to come out. If you got the anointing of God in you. It's going to pull something out of them. That they didn't want to say. Amen? Then you just nailed it right there. You just nailed it right there. So Ben-Hadad doesn't look like a dark king. He looks like a king that's been well fed off your seed. Amen? But the darkness is in him. The curse is in him. How do we reverse this demonic flow of not paying your tithes and offerings. How do we reverse this? Question mark. I'm going to get to that answer. Once I get past these other two kings. Because it's going to be interesting. This is going to be very interesting what you're going to hear tonight. On how to reverse this. Alright. That's why I love revelation from God. Dynamic. King number two is king of Babylon. Where's he at? Come on up, king of Babylon. He's the poverty kingdom. Poverty means a state of being poor, lack of money and possessions. This is the poverty king.
king of Babylon. He's got it together. But he's the king over poverty, which is a state of being poor, lack of money, and lack of possessions. This is what he represents, but he's appearing to be something different. Amen. You did good tonight, buddy. Look at that. (laughs) So he's got your money. He's got your money. Not only your seed, but he's got all your money because now you've gotten into poverty. That means you're poor, lacking material possessions. He's got all the gold. He's a thief. He's a thief. Amen. Go back there with the rest of the thieves. <laughs> Let's look at Isaiah 10, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Lord has performed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem that he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king, Ezra, Assyria, and the glory of his haughty looks. Now, didn't that look perfect? Haughty looks. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done it. And by my wisdom, I am prudent, for I am prudent. I have also, I have removed all the boundaries of the people and have robbed their treasuries. So I put that, you really read this scripture, didn't you? And have robbed their treasuries so that, so I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. 14. My hand is found... My hand has found like a nest the riches of the people. How many of y'all have lost your nest egg? How many old people have lost their... Well, this, this is a demonic flu. We're giving the devil hell tonight. This is what causes you to lose your nest egg. It's a force that comes in. Found like a nest the riches of the people. And as one gathers eggs that are left and have gathered all the earth and there is no one who moved his wing nor opened his mouth with even a peep. 15. Shall the axe boast itself against him who chops with it or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it as if a rod could weld itself against those who lift it up or as if a staff could lift it up as if it were not wood. So what we're what we see here is in verse 14, if you want to go back to that, it says, my hand has found like a nest the riches of the people. That's what you really need to underline right there because that's, that's what he's coming after. If he can come around, I hate to see, I mean, it grieves me when old people that are retired have lost their nest egg. That hurts. That's what this demonic king is behind. He may have not done it himself, but he sent out his demonic forces to cause circumstances so that you would lose that nest egg and it went right to him.
says the demonic king robs you of your treasures by removing your boundaries. Your hedge of protection was removed. How do we invite this king in to rob our nest egg and bring poverty? Let's look at Isaiah 10, 20. This is how we do it. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such have escaped the house of Jacob will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So how did we invite this king in? At some point, we depended on man. Don't ever depend on people. I'm telling you, I don't care how much God they have in them. Don't depend on them. We're not supposed to depend on them. We're not even supposed to trust them. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with the people? Love them. That's the only thing we're supposed to do is love them. When you put your trust on man, when you depend on man, you're inviting the influence of this demonic king to begin to work in your life. And it might show up 10 years from now because you don't have understanding of what's happening. He's got an appointed time. This devil has an appointed time to set up a circumstance to rob everything that you've saved up for 20 years. Isn't that right? But Lord has given me a few steps here at the end of the service that, that you can do to conquer this thing. That way when some of those young people in here don't get to 50 or 60 or 70 years old and lose everything. Never again depend on man. And how do we get free from this thief? King of Babylon. Let's look at Isaiah 45, 1 through 3. Thus says the Lord to his anointed one, Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him. And loose, most of your apostles have Cyrus anointing. That's what they carry is a Cyrus anointing. To subdue kingdoms, subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings. There it is right there. Loose the armor of kings. To open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. And I will go before you and make crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. So it's hidden somewhere. It's out of you. That you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by your name, am the God of Israel. Now, so how do we get rid of this thing? The anointing. The anointing of God. The power of God. And everybody has that anointing in them. Everybody sitting in this place has that anointing in them. Every time you open up your mouth in truth. Write this down. Say every time I open up my mouth. In truth and love. I release the anointing. If I, if I open up my mouth in truth. and There's no love on it. There's no anointing on it. If I open up my mouth and, and say, oh, I love you, brother, but there's no truth in it. There's no anointing on it. It's truth and love that carries the anointing of God. All right, the demonic king number three. 
King Balak. Now this is this one right here, man. This one. Um, he's the king over all curses. All curses means misfortunes. How many have been have entered into misfortunes? How about disappointments? Including cursing your money and falling short of success. I mean, just keep falling short of true success. This king has something to do with it. Let's look at Numbers 22. Actually, we're not going to read all those, Todd, um, because that's 22 verses. But this is Balaam's disobedience invited the king of curses on the people. It basically says Balaam's disobedience invited the curses on the people. So let's look, what does this king look like in this modern day? What does a king look like that's carrying all these more misfortunes, appointments, disappointments, causing me to fall short of true success? Now, true success is peace with God and living in God's wealth. That's true success. And this is what he looks like. There he is. So he's not dressed like a demon. His, our disobedience brought this king into our life. Can you imagine if you disobey the word of God one time when God asks you to do something, you don't do it? If you can just picture this. What are we inviting into our life? All curses. Disobedience invites all curses. Now, does he look like a curse? No, he, he, he's got it together. Mr. Cool. Big smile. Did great. Chris, you did awesome. Let's look at Malachi 3.9. Malachi 3.9. You are cursed with a curse because you robbed me. Third king was Balak. B-A-L-A-K. Balak. Num numbers. Numbers. You want to study that? Numbers 22. 1 through 22. This king's over all curses. And, that, and Malachi 3.9 backs this up, so you're cursed with a curse. That means all curses. All curses. That means uh, everything I touch is introducing a curse on it. That's why the Lord said in the scripture, I think it was Timothy, or Timothy said, don't let anybody lay hands on you hastily. Uh, you don't know what kind of curses they're carrying. So you see how they come like an angel of light. Oh, can I pray for you? Let me pray about that situation. Oh, I do. oh wait a minute. I got somebody that prays for me. <laughs> That's all you got to do is, hey, I got somebody that prays for me. His name is Jesus. He's making intercession for us daily, 24-7. He's praying, making intercession for us. You are cursed with a curse. The king... This king is responsible for cursing your money. 
but I, you might say, but I pay tithes and offerings. Why am, not, why am I not experiencing the full blessing? I hear that all the time. Oh, Brother Gene, I pay my tithes and offerings, but I'm not blessed like you are. And they do. But they're not flowing in that blessing. Why? Just look at the scripture. See what it says. What you have to ask yourself is, did your parents pay tithes and offerings? Did your grandparents pay tithes and offerings? They didn't. It's affecting you. Didn't have what? God, God wouldn't say, God wouldn't say to pay it if He didn't already give it to you. Did, did you eat? You ate food. You buy clothes. God gives you the seed. God gives you the seed. That's the sacrifice we have to make. And that sacrifice only takes one time to do it right. It really does only take one time to do it right, and then the Holy Spirit helps you to keep doing it right. Amen. He really does come through for you and sustains you. So you can keep your tithe and offering before God. Amen. This is a serious thing. It's very serious. Let's look at Exodus 25. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Who's the children? That's me and you. To the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So every time we disobey God, what are we saying to him? We hate you. Because love what? Love does what? No harm. Every time we disobey God, we say we hate him. Unbeknowingly, that's what we're saying to God. This is strong. This is heavy. To those who hate me, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. When, the, when does the visitation happen? In your trial. When God shines the light on you and stuff comes out of you that you wish you hadn't done. That's the favor of God. The devil wants to use the opportunity to condemn you. But God is purging you of all deception. Amen. That's a blessing. And we got to be careful not to judge people because we'll be judged for the same thing. Amen. 
We're to love them. They're already hurting enough. Love them into the love of God. And as you're doing that, everything that's in error in your thinking will go away. Everything that's contrary to love would just go away if you're truly loving that person into the kingdom. That makes sense? So when God shines the light on you, you're, you're, you're in a blessed place because nobody wants to keep making mistakes. Nobody wants to keep making error. It doesn't feel good. And then the devil keeps us lying to people. And that even feels worse when you love somebody. Amen. But listen, when God shines the Holy Ghost spotlight on you, he's shining everything that's in you that's in the way of what you've asked him for. You get that? Something's in me that's got to come out of me so that I can receive what I've asked God for. Some people haven't received stuff for 20 years. That's not the God I serve. When I call upon him, he hears me. And if I believe what I'm praying for, I shall have it. He didn't say 20 years. Faith is now, not tomorrow. The glory is tomorrow. Faith is now. The glory is tomorrow. Faith is now. Let's look at the spirit. Let's look at the kingdom dynamic on that, Todd, if you could pull that up. This text notes that there notes more than the obvious possibility of great grandparents living presence having an influence on his or her offspring. Let that sink in a minute. Some of us deal with adultery. Some of us deal with fornication and we don't want to do these things, but this power comes on us and we do it and then we feel awful afterwards. It's because there is an influence causing us to do that. It's in our blood. Jesus broke the power of the curse. But we have to remove the curse with the Holy Spirit. He broke the power of the curse, he said. He disarmed the power of the curse. But through the renewed mind, that mind being transformed by the word of God, we remove the curse's effects on my life. Having an influence on his or her offspring, it is a warning that the spiritual impact of decisions made or actions taken does transmit to successive generations. You get child abusers. Or their granddaddy did it or somebody else did it. And it just passes through the blood. Alcoholism, same thing. These things are passed through the bloodlines. According to God's word, there are spiritual genetics as well as psychological ones, just as Adam's sin transmits to the present in our hereditary as well as our as a legal way. We are born with a disposition to sin, not only with the fact that sin cast its shadow over us as human beings. So while no child is held responsible for the sins, we're not held responsible for the sins of the forefathers. We're responsible for our own sin. 
he or she may inherit a propensity to a bondage, the power of which perpetuates its evil impact on the offspring, even if they had never met. Can you imagine not ever meeting your your great-great-grandmother or great-great-great-grandmother? It says three to four generations. And, of course, I asked the Lord, why did he say three? Why didn't you just say three? He said, because we can only remember our third one. Or we can only remember up to our fourth one. Nobody remembers the fifth one. Amen. Apart from the repentance and consequence deliverance through Jesus Christ, and any believer may be a carrier, any believer may be a carrier, as it is were, transmitting to the future generation spiritual genetics of the past. But the opposite can take, take effect in Christ. Blessings to future generations are assured for those who love God and keep his commandments. So, so a lot of us aren't keeping the commandments. We might be loving God, but are we loving people? If we're not loving people, that means everybody, even the, 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 your enemy, then this curse is still working in your life. And all it takes is one person that you have offense with. One person that you have ought with. One person that trespassed you. Keeps this flow in your bloodstream. Just one. So tonight would be tonight to give it to God. Because we can't forgive people until God forgives me. Because we don't have the power to do it. You can say, I forgive all the time. But if, you, if that person shows up in your midst tomorrow, you're going to feel all these emotions coming back out, right? When you're truly forgiven and God's given you the power to do it, emotions don't surface no more. You're a perfect peace. A perfect love is happening. We love God and keep his commands. And no earlier generation's influence is ever a fatalistic predeterminant of the present where God's power and grace are invoked. There's your answer right there. If you want to reverse these curses, you got to love God. When you love someone, you spend time with them. How much time do you spend with God? How much time do you spend with him every day? Not enough. That's love. I can't get enough of him. I spend hours every day and still no, I don't even want to come into this building at one o'clock. Because when you're in love with something, you don't want to leave its presence. Why? Because that 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 relationship is answering everything you need. When you're around somebody you love or in love, man, you can't wait to get home to be with that person, right? And you don't want to go anywhere without that person, right? Amen. We got to fall back in love with God. And the way you're going to show him, you're going to spend time with him. 
loving gene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in love with him. You spend time with him. If you're in love with God, your life will bear the fruit of it. Your life will bear the fruit of it. Let's look at the next scripture. We're almost finished. Exodus 34, 30. This just backs it up. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw that Mo Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Exodus, that, that wasn't the right scripture. I'm sorry, Todd. I gave you the wrong one. I'm, I'm not sure. But it was going to back up the three to four generations. It was in another passage. So ancestors passing their sin to you through the blood. Ancestors passing to you and you're suffering because of them. Let that sink in. And how do I reverse this? Love God and love people. Love God, love his commandments. This is how you reverse it. And believe me, you're going to be tested next week on this. God's going to put somebody in front of you that you're going to absolutely have to love. Amen. And the best way to pass that test, just don't open up your mouth. Just let them see Jesus in your eyes and just let it go over that. Talk about passing the buck, huh? We inherit these curses, even though the power of the curse has been broken through Jesus Christ. But in our disobedience, we evoke it back to work in our lives. When we give money to demonic kings, we are cursed with a curse. So everything is cursed. When you give money to a demonic king, picture this. When you're giving God's money to something that you need, instead of him meeting that need for you, then you just gave it to a demonic king. The sin of not paying tithes and offerings invites this king to deliver his kingdom of curses on our life. So how do I fix our ancestors' rebellion and its influence on my life? How do I do that? I found in the scripture the ransom of money. I said, Lord, how do we do this? He said, this is called an atoning tithe. An atoning tithe. No. I'm going to show you in the scripture. When we do this, he pardons and releases what was stolen by this king. He pardons and releases it back to you. So all these tithes and offerings that you gave to churches and never experienced the full blessing that the scripture says you're supposed to experience. It says you're supposed to have not. You, he pours you out such a blessing that you don't have room enough 
to receive it. That means you, he's already made you content. Now, what do you need to do with the rest of it? Give it to somebody else. Bless somebody else. Is your life like that? You have more than enough when God says, let you see a need in somebody else's life. Because if you can see, you can have two people standing side by side and one person sees it and the other person doesn't. And you don't have anything in your pocket. Because these demonic kings have robbed you out of our ignorance. Amen. It's only out of our ignorance to the word of God. The tithe that will repay every time we rob God, the house of God is called a atoning tithe. If you're one of these people, ask God tonight because we're going to go back into praise and worship. I'm going to give you some steps to do tonight to get this thing reversed in your life. Just get it reversed in your life. But ask God if you're one of those people. Is your ancestors one of people? I know one of my ancestors like that. So I'm going to be giving my atoning tithe tonight. Ask the Holy Spirit how much it is. You might be shocked at what he says. Amen? I'll give him a penny tonight. Penny. That can't be the Holy Spirit. Well, sure it is. The Holy Spirit's not about numbers. He's about obedience. He's about obedience. So whatever comes to your mind, that's what you'll know he's speaking to you. God takes this, this time tonight seriously. I want my three kings to come up here and stand. Side by side. Which one? I'm going to get to it. When I go through this four steps, I'll have the scriptures to back up these four steps. This is a ransom. I want you to take a good look at these guys because they did a good job tonight in representing what the scripture says these kings do and the way they're dressed. So, King Ben-Hadad, where is he at? He's back there stealing somebody's seed. <laughs> He's stealing somebody's seed back there. <laughs> this, this influence, this king, is responsible for you not having enough. And why is that? Tell me, I want you to talk to me tonight, what you learned tonight. Why is that? Because you ate God's seed, his tithe and his offering, and that's why his belly's so big, because he's eaten all your seed. Now you know what Todd's going to look like when he's 40 years old. 
<laughs> I'll rebuke it too. I pleaded blood over that statement right now. <laughs> so he, he's full of your seed. And I'm going to give you the steps tonight on how to get these seeds back into your life. All right. King of Babylon. Poverty. He keeps you in a state of being poor. Now, these are demonic headship kings. You have lack of money, lack of material possessions because he's got it, got it all. He's decked out in gold. He's got your coins. He's enjoying the life that you should be enjoying. He's the king of poverty. He keeps you in lack. This one keeps you in not having enough. This one keeps you in lack. All right. God never called us to these things. And we have the king, King Balak. Balak, he's in charge of all curses. Every misfortune. How many of all had misfortunes? Come on. How many of all had disappointments? I mean, just fall short of being completely successful. Well, this demonic king here is is behind all those failures. Everything that God has not called us to. These demonic headships are responsible. Amen. That's because... Because this one carries all the curses. He's, he's doing a lot more work. Because he's working all the curses. There's lots of kings in the Bible. But these are the ones that directly affect Christians. They're after Israel. And, it, and the spiritual Israel. They, these are the three kings the Lord showed me. That directly affect Christians. Because Satan's number one, number one priority is what? Is to get your finances. And he does it through these three headships right here. Now these guys don't do the work. They give the orders. They're the kings. So when you open the door to the demonic. These kings are given the demons orders. To start setting up a strategy. For your loss. Amen. Yes, questions. All three can be working at the same time. If you're doing everything that's causing all three to work, then all three's working. They all three are kicking in at their different measures. I love these guys. So we have three demonic kings that are still alive today. 
That's what we got to realize. Spirits live forever. These, these kings could be 5,000 years old and still influencing your life. That's what you got to get a handle on tonight. They don't die. They're not in heaven. And they're not in hell. So where are they? They're in that second heaven. They're walking among us through people. They're, they're principalities. They're, 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 they're in that second heaven right here. They're calling the shots. They're waiting to see a Christian disobey God, and then they'll send a demonic army to them and start setting up a circumstance to rob you and take from you. All right, you guys can sit down. Give these guys a hand for their obedience. And God bless their obedience. Because they had short notice. I think at 1 o'clock I said, guys, get your costumes. Just pray for the Holy Ghost to tell you what to wear. All right, you ready? All right. How do I get rid of these guys? Number one, write this down. Is it on the screen, Todd? I think this is on the screen. Repent. Don't spend God's money. He makes it pretty simple, doesn't he? When you spend God's money, you open the door for these kings. Yes. And the offering. See, most of us just give 10%. We don't give God an offering. An offering doesn't have an amount. Yes, that's what I'm trying to make it clear tonight. The, the tithe is 10%. The offering is, a me, is measured according to your love for God. Which I want to give more than 10%. Your offering is measured according to your love, the measure of love you have for God. What can you do without? It's, if, you, if, you, if you see something right now that you could do without that would release this demonic headship off your life, wouldn't you do it? Because you'd be facing this thing 10 years from now. Don't spend God's money. Look at Acts 3, 19 through 21. Let's see what happens. Repent, therefore, and be converted. Don't you know your soul needs to be converted? That your sins may be blotted out. Thank God he blots out our sins. So that times of what? Refreshing will come. Aren't you tired of being dry? Refreshing can come. Don't you like the, how you feel when you get out of the shower and you feel so fresh, so clean? That's what he's talking about spiritually. You're, the Holy Spirit can refresh you like that. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That he may send... Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, he preached to you, he was preached to you before, and you got saved. Now he's coming to save you from your ignorance. Second time. 
whom heaven must receive, now look at this, whom heaven must receive until times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. Look at the blessing he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the, the church has not even entered into the fullness of it yet. That has to be restored. Jesus is can't, he, he can't come back until it's restored. Everything that the prophet said has to be restored. Times of refreshing, times of restoration of all things. All right, you got number one, repent. Stop spending God's money. Number two, pay the atoning tithe. Now, let's look at this. This is, this is ransom money here. Money that is paid in order to free someone who has been captured. How many have been captured by our ignorance? We just get captured by our ignorance all the time. Let's look at Exodus 30, 11, 12, 14, 15, and 16. Let's read these. Yes. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them, everyone included among those who are numbered, from twenty years old and above, shall give an offering to the Lord, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle kind of, of the it? meeting. Atonement money. Atonement money. All right. That it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. There we are right there. The atoning tithe. Ransom money. Every time, every time. Well, we're going to do it one time tonight. It only takes one time. If you, if you, it takes one time. And if you start doing what the scripture said tonight, what God said tonight, then you won't ever have to worry about it again. Oh, they're passed away. Now everything new is going to come. That's money you hadn't seen before. Right? This is money that you hadn't seen before. Even though you paid your tithes and offerings, you're not experiencing the full benefit that the scripture says you're supposed to be walking in because of the ancestral curses still working in my ignorance by not loving people or one person. All it takes is one. Open up this door. Do y'all understand all this? Y'all getting this? I'm trying to keep it simple. All right, number three. Loose, release the presence of Jesus. Let's look at Psalm 68.1. This is, we're talking about worship here. Yes. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. Psalm 68. When you, when you go into praise and worship tonight, you got to take this serious. His presence comes on you. 
and that peace comes on you, you have to know that your enemy was just scattered. Because where there's an enemy, there's no peace. But if that peace descends on you, you know right then that's a sign that God just scattered the enemy. Amen? Let's look at number four. Release your anointing that's inside you and break the yoke through this revelatory teaching night. Let's look at Matthew 12, 27. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what are you binding tonight? What are you tying up? That's what bind means, a tie-up, to make inactive. You're tying up this headship. Call out their names. I bind you, King Hadad. I bind you, Balak. I bind you, King Assyria. Babylon I bind you that means you're picture it you're tying them up making them ineffective for your life let's look at Matthew 12 27 and if I cast out demons by Be- Beelzebub Bezebub. Bezebub, by whom do your sons cast them out therefore they shall be your judges so if I cast out demons my virgin says with the finger of God Surely the kingdom of God has come upon us. The finger of God is your hand. This is the finger of God. Jesus is a head. We're his body. So he's saying if you just exercise the anointing that's in you. And use my hand. This is God's hand. It's God's hand that's on you. Use my hand. Use my finger and cast out the devil. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Number five, <clears throat> this last one. Know that wealth is released to you when you are a king killer. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. How do you get wealth? Power. See it right there? Whose power is it? God's. The power that I was talking about. See, that anointing that's in you, when you release it and bind these demons, these, these headship demons, when you bind them and loose them off your life, when that anointing returns to you back to you, because we're in a kingdom of sowing and reaping, when it returns back to you, it's coming with a different power on it. Another level of power that's going to create wealth for you. Big difference between riches and wealth. Riches means you've got a lot of money. Wealth means you're satisfied in every area. And you're helping people. Rich man won't help people. A wealthy man will. But a rich man won't. Go ahead. 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Who are your fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What did he swear to them? That he would bless them and their offsprings would be blessed. What does blessed mean? Happy, prosperous, and what? To be envied. Is, is somebody envying your life? Does somebody want your life? They will after tonight. Amen. Because all this is going to be reversed. I mean, God is so excited tonight about what's happening, uh, what's being released in the teaching and what's being released in the atmosphere that when we go into praise and worship, man, he's going to go to work. He is absolutely going to go to work. Just think about it. When you remove these doggone spirits, those demons that stole from you are now serving you by bringing everything they stole from you back to you. Isn't that right, uh, Cornelius? You had to bring it seven times back, right? So when you remove this headship tonight, those same demons that set up circumstances and stole your money Cause your car to break down. Cost you money. They got to bring it back. They're serving you now. <laughs> Come on, let's give God some praise for this message. All right, now, listen. When we go into worship, praise and worship, you can come up anytime. Most of us come up anyway. But remember the four things. Look at your four things that you got to do. You got to repent. All right. After tonight, you certainly have a different way to think, don't you? What does repentance mean? You have a new way of thinking. All right. And I know this is a lot of information to try to get out. So get the CD, get with Todd and he'll get you a CD and you need to listen to this over and over again. Repent. All right. Change your mindset. What was the second thing? Pay the atoning tithe. Ask God how much it is. Ask the Holy Spirit, how much you want me to give to, to the atoning tithe to redeem everything that was lost through my ignorance and through my ancestors' ignorance? Isn't that awesome? And those who watch in live stream can do the same thing. Worship with us. Go online. Pay your tithe. Pay an atoning tithe online. You can do it online. What was number three? Loose, release the presence of Jesus. So that means when that glory ram comes on you, that's the presence of Jesus because he and the Father are one. When you feel that thing come on you, when you feel that settling, y'all know how that feels. Loose it into the atmosphere. How do you loose it? You thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this freedom. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for, the, for, for what's coming back into my life. You got to thank him for it. He said to thank him in everything. So that means something. It releases grace. 
Thanksgiving keeps grace flowing in your life. That's why he said to give thanks in everything. Give thanks in your trial because it keeps grace flowing in your life. All right, what was the last one? Release the anointing. That was number four. That was the last one. Release the anointing. And number five was it's a knowledge. It's a knowing that what I'm releasing out of my mouth is coming back to me at a, at a fat, I call it a fat anointing. A swelled up anointing. It takes one anointing to cause riches to come into your life. It takes a, a fatter anointing for wealth to come because the anointing mirrors the material size of things. Does that make sense? So if you're wealthy then you're carrying a heavy anointing. The heaviness of that anointing is, is mirroring what you have in your life that God has entrusted you with. And when you get it, one thing you got to understand, it's not yours. He's just given it to you to enjoy and manage it. Be a vessel. To release it when he says release it. Y'all ready to worship? You know what to do. You got your instructions. And like I said, once you once you release, go through these five things, four things, five things, then you can leave. But I wouldn't go until you go through this step, these steps. And the presence comes. Then you know he's ready to do it. Because he's going to do it through your obedience. Amen. Praise God. Give him some praise. Thank you. See how you can pull stuff out of the scriptures? That's revelation. That's, 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 that's what an apostolic ministry would do. You, know, you won't hear nothing like this in church. Light, yeah. All right, lights out. It won't be long. We just have a few praise and worship songs. We're going to go in some instrumentals, and you just let the... Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll stay all night.